0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, Angel Collinson is back on the podcast for another episode of Deep Dives with Angel. And we kick things off by having Angel tell us about what she has described as the two best weeks of her life. So, yeah, that's a big deal. From there, Angel and I talk about a couple of the open mic pieces that we've published on the website since we last talked to Angel. And you should definitely be checking out the open mic pieces that we've published on Blister, Certainly you should be reading all of Angel's open mic pieces and we talk in this conversation about Sam Elias's recent piece and Hillary Allen's piece and so you can either read those pieces first and then come back to this or this will still work if you listen to my conversation with Angel and then go back to read Sam and Hillary's piece works either way no spoiler alerts here but these are pieces that are well worth your time and your consideration. Finally, we wrap things up with our Ask Angel segment where we read a number of questions that you all submitted. And once again, you all asked a number of great questions. And I should say, if you would like to submit your own questions about Angel's life, or if you would like Angel to weigh in on topics or questions you're facing in your own life, you can shoot us a message on our social channels or you can email us at info at com. And with that, let's talk to Angel. Here we go. All right, Angel, so here's the situation. Uh Uh-oh. It's Saturday morning, 10:42 Mountain Time. We hopped on to record this conversation yesterday afternoon, but then just talked for about an hour, which that was a great great conversation. So then we're back and we were supposed to start recording at 10, but then we talked for 45 minutes, but we're doing it now. This is it. We're 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 at the moment and um I have purposefully held off on asking you this question so far. You just posted a very big claim that you have just had the best two weeks of your life.
1: Yes, sir.
0: (laughs) And I've exercised a lot of restraint here uh, by not asking you or or getting you to talk about this off tape. But um, I'm dying to hear I mean that's a very big claim and you are someone yeah. who I think has had some pretty good weeks in your life so so please um, explain
1: uh, yeah well I meant it and I'm still processing why it was so awesome. Um, but it's yeah so basically the to set, to set the stage here, um, Pete and I, you know, we've spent, well, we've been on this boat Seabear for two years. We've had her for just over three. And it's been, you know, a big labor of love. I've written about it quite a bit in the open mic series of, you know, the ups and the downs and the trials and tribulations. But overall, it's just, uh, it's a lot of work. And like, The highs don't come as often as the lows and they're not as sustained. And so there's sort of always that question of like, is it worth it? Are we doing it right? It took us a lot of time to learn the lifestyle and to figure it out. Well, fast forward From one of the most recent major lows in my life in November, we were in an awful boatyard that we dubbed Satan's Sphincter. We squeaked out of there (laughs) (laughs) into the beautiful, wide, bright world of Bocas del Toro, Panama, where I learned how to surf. It was so awesome. It's been, that was a lifelong dream. And then uh, we've been planning on, you know, starting to split our time ashore on Boulder, in boulder we're moving to boulder colorado for part of the time and then hopefully also still living on seabear for the other part of the time we still want to go out to the south pacific but basically there's a lot of unknowns in our future we have no idea what it holds but i do know we need to go to land so this adventure was coming to a close right so it's like the grand finale of this entire great voyage that I've been on of self-discovery of sailing across oceans and learning how to sail and learning how to free dive, learning how to spearfish. And, you know, we haven't found the the coolest places or islands. It's dirty or it's full of people or it's just kind of not that like, oh, deserted beach where you're cracking a cool one and, you know, good vibes and no tan lines on your boat. And I, life is so magical I think because regardless of how much you plan for things there's always a mysterious element and sometimes it lands not in your favor and you have to work really hard and you grow but it's challenging sometimes you forge great connections and that's beautiful but you know there's always that flavor of like oh come on give me a break (laughs) I'm trying so hard and then life is also magical because sometimes for no apparent reason you wing it and everything is perfect and everything that's out of your control is completely perfect. And we basically just had two weeks where life just handed us the most beautiful things on a silver platter. And we sailed to the San Blas Islands, you know, our time and focus is up. We had to haul out We're like, we we can't miss going to the San Blas Islands because they're very close. So we sailed there. It was remote. It was off grid, which was a huge part. I really believe in taking time to unplug and creative time, time to rest your mind and your your productive side. So there was no expectations of me totally off the grid. And we found this deserted island with no one around coconuts and palm trees. You could walk around it in 10 minutes. You know, you didn't wear clothes the whole time. There was vibrant reefs that we'd spearfish on every day, like healthy ecosystem. And, um, just like every, Component that we've wanted, and the weather was perfect. Like, all of these things outside of our control were perfect. And I really got to witness myself and how much I've changed, how much our relationship has grown and strengthened, um, how much this boat has tested us, and also how much she's helped us grow. It was like somehow everything was encapsulated, everything I've learned, the highs and the lows were like encapsulated in this beautiful time period that was like um beyond words describable um and one of the things that was like the icing on the cake or the i don't know the big realization was um at the end of it i just sort of had this mystical experience almost i was like struck in this moment of clarity of why i'm here <laughs> And like what I do for people. And I got to see myself in this way somehow because I was like I was removed from life in just enough of a way that um, I could see myself in a way I've never seen myself before. And I could really see that what I do is I show people what's possible just by being me. And I've never really seen it or understood it as clearly as I did. Uh, And it was so empowering. You know, there's those moments when you're connected to your truth and um, why you're here, or at least things become really clear. And I've really just got to see my life clearly and myself, most of all, clearly. And Pete, clearly. And like, what an amazing partner he is and it was just indescribably beautiful. One of his experiences, like, you'll never forget. And you couldn't have planned it if you had all of the best planning tools in the world. It was many components that had to come together. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm forever changed. Like, the way that I feel myself and experience myself is different. And I'm so grateful. Hmm. So, yeah, just I'm reintegrating from that now. <laughs>
0: Mm. Okay. That's a lot. So a couple questions on that. I find myself hearing that and thinking about a kind of sense of discovery of Mm self-identity and or Mm -hmm. a sense of discovery of purpose. And I actually am Mm -hmm. not totally sure how different those two things are, but I'd be curious Mm -hmm. to try to push you a little further on how those two words strike you. If it felt like given everything you just said and you just, you started by saying, I'm trying to still process this. If it felt to be a bit more of like, Oh, this is who I am or this is what I should be doing. Or if those are Mm -hmm. the same or Mm -hmm. different or as you're processing this experience now.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think I want to credit a mentor of mine um, who I've worked with since 2017, um, Kim Dawson. And she really has helped me understand just how each of our own life journeys is the hero's journey. You know, we're all on this great voyage to discover ourselves. And I would argue that It's almost expanded upon. It's like life discovering itself at the same time. And I'm a big, uh, I'm much more spiritual and like woo-woo, kind of out there, new agey than I always led on because I also have a, a healthy sense of cynicism and I'm always kind of skeptical of stuff as well. So I always am balancing those two things and that's why I don't maybe share so much about my spiritual beliefs in public. But I really believe How it feels to me is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience Um, that inherently there's some part of us that all feels connected to each other, connected to something bigger that uh, is like moving, pulsing. Uh, I don't want to say has an agenda, but like there's some threads that you just that connect us all in ways that you can't explain. And I really feel that to be true much of the time. And so when I think of, uh, like, you know, a sense of identity versus a sense of purpose, what Kim has really helped me to see through working with her is that when it's not actually about what we do, it's about who we be. And it's regardless of the actions that you take from being yourself, the end result, the ripple effect, will be very similar, if not the same. And I really like thinking of it in that way, because I do think that um, we have our own yearnings and callings of how we want to live, how we want to express ourselves. But the point is actually just expressing who we are or who we be. And what I got to see and feel in this experience was that I, um, I could just feel who I am. And that you know, part of that expression had its ripple effects through skiing. Part of it had it through leaving skiing and learning how to sail. Part of it has had it through sailing around the world in the ways that it ripples out and touches me and my relationships and, you know, wider circles. And so I think we're always, you know, wondering like, and me too, right? I've been on this two-year journey being like, all right, what's my purpose? What am I here for? And it eats at you sometimes during certain chapters of your life. Like it just whittles you away until you can't sleep and you're just, you know, living in contraction all the time. And what I really could just feel was the power that we all have when we're able to strip away the purpose-driven, I don't know, hooks to a certain degree and really just, Fully express, like what it is that we are, who we are, what our gifts are, and um yeah, I just I got to feel that I got to feel who I am.
0: Okay, so now we're literally talking about some of the most fundamental aspects of you know human existence. So so that's good. We got there quick.
1: <laughs> well, you said deep dives. Oh, that's right? right.
0: It's called deep dives with Angel. <laughs> Well, Well done. Here we are. So what I find, first of all, I'm thrilled to hear that you had this experience. Second, what I think is fascinating about this is what you are describing, I sure hope every single person gets there at some point to find sort of that whether we call it a kind of fundamental essence whether we call it sort of the the first principles that you as an individual operate upon live by because i totally agree with you in that once those sort of principles the the anchor the key values once we get clarity on those things then honestly it maybe doesn't actually matter whether you are delivering pizzas, whether you are, you know, raising children, whether you are trying to run a company. There's something more fundamental than sort of the specifics of the work, right? What I, what I find to be true, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, I actually think there's a number of ways to get there. And so sometimes, for a person who's like, look, to be honest, I'm listening to this right now, I don't totally know what I'm about. Sometimes I think certain jobs, literal just jobs, can help us get there, help us get clearer on what we think is worth valuing and what isn't. Sometimes the kind of breaks. Sometimes, I think stepping back if if somebody is in the thick of it and maybe he or she is working three or four jobs, um and and just feels like I have no time to step back and think, no time to like get rid of the noise to get clear. Like sometimes not diving into a job, but precisely the opposite can be the way to try to get clear on some of those fundamental principles or, or a greater sense of like who I am. Um, So I feel like there's a number of ways to get there, but I don't, I don't know if you think that's true. If you're like, "Mm, actually I would vote for find that period in time for however short or however long, but separate unplug, get that distance. Your thought angel is that's, what you suppose is the most likely way to arrive at this sense of who am I,
1: yeah um i I agree, I think that there's so many ways to get there, and I I don't always know that it's totally up to us to figure it out, <laughs> you know like i I think that um what I ultimately believe is that you know, we do a thing, whether we know we're doing the thing or not. And what I got to see is just by who I am and my energy and the way that I've chosen to do these things in my life, it shows people what's possible and and what it feels like to live brightly and courageously. And I didn't know that I was doing that. I was just living life my way. And I think that if I didn't sail and if I didn't do, um, you know, if I didn't ski, that it would have just been something that people could feel from me. It might've just been the way that I threw dinner parties or the way that I danced or, you know, the way that I loved my children. Like, I think that the essence of who we are is transmittable to all around us and that we are that way, whether we know it or not, and everyone else can see us more clearly than we can see ourselves, you know? And so that was what I, what was interesting to me is like, I really just got to see myself through other people's eyes somehow for the first time. And so I think that while we can have these, you know, profound or mystical experiences, if we... You know, still our minds or meditate every day or go to a deserted island totally off the grid. Like, I've also done all that shit before and it didn't work, (laughs) you know? Um, So, I also genuinely hope that all of us can feel our essence in this way. And I don't know what is, I don't think that there's a recipe to have that understanding. I think that sometimes it's almost accidental or, or given to us. Um, but I do know that we don't need that to already be living into our purpose and to be fully expressed, if that makes sense.
0: So, <laughs> have you already figured out what this means for like from a brass tax day-to-day point of view for you? Like what, given some of the insights, some of the revelations, what are the next steps? I mean, this is still a process. I think it's kind of always a process uh, till we die. But what do the next steps look like for you?
1: Well, um you know, my big thing right now that I think so many of us can relate to is I'm really stressed about money. Um, And I don't know what I'm going to do for a career next. And, you know, I was smart with my money from skiing. I didn't make a lot. I put some in savings. We've been living off of the savings. We could work off the boat, but it would take away from the way that I want to experience it. Like, I don't want to be on my computer making YouTube edits. So for me, the big question has been like, what's my purpose? What am I here for? How am I going to make money? And I think that uh, we feel like we have to make money from doing a thing that is our purpose. And sometimes that works out awesome. And, but I don't think it always has to go that way. And I think what I, what I came away with was that I'm who I am. And I'm going to continue being as bright of a light as I possibly can. Um, And that's just like, that's how I live life. And whatever I do from here and however I decide to make money, um, people are like, that's going to be my imprint in the world. And so if, if that's going to be my imprint, no matter what, like, what the fuck do I want to do? You know? And I'm like, I love working with animals. Like, what if I worked on a wolf sanctuary? Like, I don't have to be a public figure. I don't feel it kind of helped remove me from feeling an obligation to my social media or the people that follow me because I was like, Oh, I'm going to come off this way no matter what. And so I better just be doing whatever the Frick fills me up. Is it working in plants, like working in a plant store? Is it like doing dog walks? So, um, I, you know, we were just talking before we started recording that, um, I don't don't want to commit publicly to saying I'm going to write a book, but I guess that's what I'm doing because I just was really clear, like, oh, writing about my journey this past two years, um, I can really see how it's, Kind of got its own little mini hero's journey plot line for me. And it would help me process my own experiences for myself. And if that ends up making me money because I'm living my truth and expressing it in a way that hopefully is in alignment with what I'm here to do in the world, awesome. And until then, like, I'm just going to try and follow what lights me up and make money from that. It also might just be working as a waitress and getting to connect with people and like bringing out myself for the best in people through like spontaneous interaction. Like the, the short answer is I really have no idea, but I know that, um, there's some things that I feel very true for my expression and music is one of them. Um, I've sang since I was like a little teeny girl in the backpack and it's always brought me so much joy. And I don't think I ever want to try. I don't, I never want to try to make money from it. I never want it to be like my profession, but I really, really want to study it. And so my goal is to just find a job, that I can fund a life where I have a bit of flexibility, a bit of free time to study music and to write this book. And that's as much as I know, but it feels like just enough to feel really great. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too. I, I cannot ever help myself apparently, but hearing... You talk about this and, um, you know, the whole question of money. I mean, I still, the most powerful thing I've still ever read on this is Thoreau's Walden, which I still regard perhaps a controversial point, but I don't actually think it is. Like, to me, it's still one of the greatest works of philosophy ever. And what I love so much about calling that book and like the act and normal people are like, oh yeah, I've read that. It was like amazing and changed my life or they hated it. It draws very strong responses. It's really only like academic philosophers who are like, what are you talking about? Walden, that, that dude, like that's like some bad poetry or something. It's like, no, you, you maybe are confused about like what philosophy is. But what I love about that book and calling that a work of philosophy is the very first chapter is called economy. He doesn't do this, you know, pie in the sky, let's think about does that chair exist or not. That's we can worry about that later. First thing is like how do you actually make a living? What does that look like, right? And and I think a key point on this for anybody listening who is trying to get clear on like, well, I need to, you know, eat food and presumably have some form of shelter. Those are kind of basic human needs. But going back through, like, keep in mind, you know, however much money one, like, we think we might need, the road like, hey, just a reminder, if we live simply, we don't have to be a slave to, like, the expensive car, the expensive mortgage payment. And I just always think, you know, And by the way, he also says, like, look, if you're killing it at life and you love your life, I'm not trying to change you in any way. So that's another thing I love about that book is he opens by saying this is for people who maybe are trying to figure out or are dissatisfied in their current situation. And then we can just get into, like, oh, am I spending above my means? Or if you're like, I want to work on a wolf sanctuary. I'm like, that sounds amazing. We were just talking about wolves and octopus before we started recording. That probably deserves its own podcast someday. Um, I don't know what it pays to work on a wolf sanctuary, but if that, that sounds amazing to me, by the way, but like, this is less about for you, but just other people listening to this. Like, I just always think it's important, especially as we live in a society that tends to emphasize like material goods. Well, if we if we reduce our needs or, or our wants, that can go a long way to lining up, like making it very possible to, to do what you're talking about, which is I want to do pursue the things I love. I don't necessarily want to turn the boat into a working boat, right? So I don't know, that was less for you and maybe more just hopefully it's a helpful reminder. I mean, I think this is something that we probably all need to remind ourselves of like, again and again and again and again and again, depending on what particular like point in our own lives or journeys we're on.
1: Yeah, every year. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's tough. It's like everything in our culture is uh, is centered around consumerism. It's inescapable. And so to simplify is actually, you know, it's counterintuitive to how we're marketed to to expiration dates to to so much, and so I totally agree with you, and I grew up, you know, my dad was a ski patrol, he only worked during the winters, uh we traveled in the van all summer, and he raised a family of four traveling in the summers on I don't know like twenty to twenty five thousand dollars for a family of four all year. you know, we were so frugal, so I know what it's like to live frugally. I'm not so great at it anymore um it's it's it requires a discipline you know and a prioritization but what's really cool is actually when you get outside or if you spend your time in nature you know it's easy to like want to buy all the latest and greatest toys and also a lot of to- there's a lot of ways to be able to spend time outside where you don't have to pay money you know you're not going out to a restaurant you're not um You know, and also I just it also stands to be said that, like, it's a privilege to be able to choose less. And it's yeah, like, you know, to be in that position where we get to choose that is lucky. And there's also a lot of power in it. And, you know, as I've traveled around the world, you know, or at least where my sailboat journeys have taken me in the past two years, you know, in the San Blas, it's like you come up on these villages and the buildings are made out of palm fronds and um, nothing is exactly as you expect uh, in life and in your adventures. And I think sometimes I tend to feel guilty for my privilege or for all of the Experiences that I can have, all of the things I can buy, all the money that I have, right? Just to have this boat and the dinghy and gas as much as I want, like it's a huge privilege. And but when we really stayed, you know, in these San Blas Islands and you're looking at the villagers, it's like there, it, there really is something for the simplicity of not having a ton of things that allows for more free time and more free expression than. The more things we have and the way that these cultures get like live, it's just it's fundamentally different. And I don't know that I can say it's better or worse. I think there's arguments for, you know, both sides. But the definitely the having more things um, does not always make your life richer for sure.
0: Well, thanks for sharing all of that. And my God, we'll stay tuned. But um... <laughs> worth celebrating, like, I think any time in life that friends of ours, partners of ours, family members of ours feel like they had a bit of a revelation or gained insight. I mean, that's like, so those are phenomenal. And I hope we all do have people that we can share those experiences with and tell them. And, and I mean, those are just exciting moments of growth and clarity. And so, um, very, very cool. And I'm really happy to finally get that story from you.
1: <laughs> Thanks. There's one thing as uh, before we quite wrap up on it that I just want to mention, which is, um, you know, the dark times are what give the light times contrast. And like, they're both so equally important. And like the the struggles and also our humanity, right? Our imperfections, our flaws. I've spent a lot of time observing myself and just the things that I kind of wish I didn't do that I'm not sure I'll ever be able to not do, (laughs) you know, like wanting to blame Pete if I misplace something and I can't find it or whatever. There's so many stuff like that that I'm like, I don't, I will try to be better at that. And I've already gotten better, but I don't know that it's ever going to go away. And as I've been really sitting in my humanity as my mentor Kim calls it it's like our humanity is actually you know what what shows us our divinity and our divinity shows us our humanity and it's like in these contrasts of like our own dark and our own light that we get to see our gifts and I would almost argue that really sitting in my own icky like places in my own shadows maybe was what got me to see my light this clearly. And that I just, I think that, you know, we tend to be so hard on ourselves and we can't see our gifts and we beat ourselves up. And we're always like, am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I making the most of this? And um, that question and that process, like that dance, like that's the dance. And we will find ourselves on both sides of like, I'm a divine being. And like, I'm a piece of shit human that can't figure it out. And like, that's it. That's the whole point. And like finding a more joyful way to do it, I think is what it's all about. So that's, I'll close on that.
0: (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) Shifting gears a bit, but still kind of related. We're doing a thing where we talk a bit about open mic and this open mic series that we've been doing and that you've very much been working on me in a bigger way. But a lot of our conversations about this open mic series, I think m- my thought was that we might, you know, dive deeper into like a single piece each month. But we have had some really interesting conversations over the last month specifically just in thinking about the this this venture, this project um, this exercise, right? And, you know, two of the last pieces we published were by Sam Elias and Hillary Allen. And I just thought that this would be a point worth raising because turns out, I mean, and you and I have talked a lot about writing now, and and we can t- sort of continue to have these very interesting conversations just about writing in general, but Sam and Hillary, they both definitely dove deep on their own rights and I'm going to stop talking, but I I would love to hear you just say a bit about a bit about, you know, your conversations with them and how these pieces came to be and people can go read their pieces and they absolutely should, but talk a little bit about this um, (laughs) project. We find ourselves in the midst of
1: (laughs) the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, yeah. So kind of, it as i have been you know working with you on this and brainstorming you know who do i think has really interesting things to say or who do i know you know i've been racking who do i know my brains of who do i know and so i you know i reached out to some of my old north face teammates sam elias and hillary allen sam's a climber hillary's a runner and just kind of pitched them what the open mic series is all about which is you know a chance to say whatever it is you want to say no topic necessary, like that we have to agree on the no length necessary, like literally here's the mic, run with it. And, uh, as, as both, i con- I was in contact with both of them as they were working on it. And afterwards, and they said to me something, which has also been my experience, which is there's something that is happening for me when I sit down to write these pieces. And I think, for example, I wrote that piece on burnout and how to not do it again. And when I sat down to write it, it was going to be about learning how to surf. And I had this entirely different idea for what it was going to be. And I remember what's the quote or the line that you shared with me that ended up was being so true. I ended up sharing it with Sam. What was it?
0: Well, I don't know if I had it as an exact quote, I could go, I could go find it. So I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase and and kind of butcher um, Ludwig Wittgenstein here. By the way, people, there is a slim, little, beautiful book called Culture and Value, and it is written by one of the brightest minds of the last couple hundred years, I think it's fair to say, but it's very plainly written. But in Culture and Value, Wittgenstein lays out very clearly cleanly clearly simply the case that writing is thinking and that to attempt to write it's sometimes there's a false model where we think we have these ideas they're in our head and then all we have to do is sort of take the thing in our head and then just lay it out on paper and I give uh, there's other people who probably had similar ideas on this for me it, I came, it came to me through Wittgenstein, but that's not how writing works. And that's not how thinking works. That once we pick up the pen or sit down at the keyboard, it's like, we don't know what we actually think before we start the process of putting pen to paper. And it is a process and it is a struggle. So forgive me for not having the succinct quote, but that I hope gives a gist of what you and I have been talking about over the months.
1: Yeah. No, that's perfect. I mean, that's the idea, right? It's like you think you have this whole idea, but then when you actually start writing the what's wanting to come through or come out, like the piece is, um, it's its own thing.
0: It's its own thing.
1: And what I've been experiencing is as the piece is becoming its own thing, it's helped me really digest some deep things, right? Like I didn't plan on writing about burnout, but I ended up really digesting like what it is that I do to kill the joy of the things that I love and how I don't want to do it again and what I've actually been learning about it. And I really like in the process of writing these things, I've really actually processed, digested and learned some things about myself. And so You know, I understand sometimes what a wrestling match it can be to get this piece onto the page. And as I was talking to Sam and Hillary, I'm like, you know, I try and just treat it like another Instagram caption where you, you know, just pretend like you're going to make another post and then you just can go longer because Instagram always cuts you off on, you know, the piece you want to write anyway. And they're like, yeah, yeah, cool. Great idea. (laughs) It's like, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, they kind of bounce a couple ideas off me. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Do that. And both of them came back with being like, that was a lot harder than I anticipated. And both of them are great writers and both of them had this experience as well of realizing that, realizing something about themselves or something that was really holding them back in their lives. Um, and, I just, I think it's really cool. Like sometimes, you know, Jonathan, you you have these, we have these dreams or these ideas and we don't know why or what they're supposed to bring out or why they're taking place. And yeah, my experience, which was ironic that also happened to the two people that I kind of connected into this series was that it really has helped me. um, Yeah. Like metabolize parts of myself or experiences in ways that if i hadn't done this i wouldn't have done and they were like that was really hard i actually like i'm changed and i'm like i know how you feel <laughs> so yeah
0: <laughs> it's i know we were kind of joking last last night about this but um i think we said like well so who else are we going to inflict this upon
1: <laughs> exactly who's our next patient yeah who's the yeah
0: who's the next victim but <laughs> look i <laughs> I don't want to turn the open mic series into this thing where everybody feels like they need to bear their entire soul every single time out. Yeah. I think that yeah. that, because it's not, I don't think that that would then actually also not feel, uh, that, that would feel forced to me, I think totally. if that was the direction. Yep. But, um, what I really appreciate with you and certainly Sam and certainly Hillary in their pieces is, well, it just so happened that in this particular point of time, when they had an assignment, like to, to quote throw again, uh, to say what you have to say, th- it, it led them into some pretty serious wrestling and, and going down into a, a hole that isn't comfortable. Um, and and I, I just appreciate people who are courageous enough to do that and are willing to um, to do that work. Who knows? Maybe the next three submissions we get will be hilarious pieces that are pretty light. I have no idea, but I still kind of love that I don't know. By the way, you're turning in another piece here very shortly. What do you think this piece is going to be about and then who the hell knows what it actually ends up looking like.
1: Yeah. Well, this is what's funny is I've started on a couple different things. But tomorrow, well actually I think it might be after this call I'm really going to sit down and do it. So there's a part of me that really wants to write a lighthearted piece coming from this place and I have some funny stories from this trip that are just kind of hilarious. And so part of me kind of just wants to tell a story. Part of me kind of wants to share about you know, a little bit about what I've talked about here, but then again, that's like another, you know, in-depth thing. And there's, there's a part of me that wants to just share the joy from this light place that I feel. So, um, I'm not sure if that's going to look like a story from this trip, or I've got a couple of pretty funny childhood stories that I can feel their tendrils reaching into, you know, in a way that like connects to the relevance of the experience I'm having now. But yeah, I have like a couple different story ideas and I haven't fleshed out like a profound writing thing yet. So I'm kind of hoping it's going to take a lighthearted turn. (laughs) Who the heck knows?
0: (laughs) Well, listen, though, but I mean, in keeping with the spirit of open mic, I feel like you should write it's again, the Thoreau, the full Thoreau quote is which by the way i put on blister the day we turned yeah, the website yeah, on back in yeah and back in 2011 but say what you have to say not what you ought and so what i don't think you should do is be like well i've kind of gone pretty deep the last few so maybe i need to i need or i ought to switch mm-hmm. it up this time like mm-hmm. do what you know write about what you most want to write about that's my only That's my only um, thought on that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but good luck.
1: Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Good luck. I'll get it to you before midnight tomorrow. I promise.
0: (laughs) We've been we've been joking about that. Much of the um, kind of, I don't like to call it editing for these things because I call them suggestions, right? And so when I look at a piece, I'm like, look, I'm just going to make some suggestions here. Take them or leave them author has final say on all of these things. But the whole goal is just if I can do anything to help somebody better articulate a thought or clarify something, that's what that's what I'm there to do. So I, I don't know, I, I call it a lot. I you know I say it to you a lot, like reminder, these are just suggestions, yeah. take them or leave them. And, and um, it seems to have worked out so far.
1: Yeah, uh, you do an amazing job. And also an amazing job at handling all the midnight deadline (laughs) submissions (laughs) editing until midnight suggesting until midnight well
0: people thank you uh for that but uh folks again um i've said it before this open mic series is i really do feel like one of the most important things that we are doing at blister um for some of the reasons that i think we just described but um so check them out and we are trying to publish new pieces uh, every week, and um, and again, I'm really grateful for pe- the people who have done the work and been willing to go through the grappling and the the wrestling um, to uh, to put these out. and And I think we're pretty proud of um, the collective so far.
1: Oh mm-hmm. well, yeah!
0: I think it's time for our Ask Angel segment. Um, yeah. So here you go. Uh, thanks to everybody who submitted questions. A number of you on, on Blister, uh, when we put this up on social you know, soliciting questions, a number of your questions were ones that I actually think we touched on in last month's Deep Dives with Angel conversation. So we're going to put a link in the show notes of this episode to that last one, but... Go back and look at that one because I think Angel touched on a number of those already. But um, let's get into some of these. Um, I really like this one. Martha asked, what is the best part of your day?
1: That's such a good question. Did I tell you we talked about me nannying for three kids on our last podcast? It was Martha's three kids. Yeah, she's an amazing woman and they're an amazing family. And I love that question so much. What's the favorite part of my day? Um, I think the favorite part of my day is right when I open my eyes in the morning. And I feel like I'm shaking off the magical cobwebs of the dream world. Um, Some, you know, I dream a lot. So it's a time when I kind of get to be like, Wow, that was crazy. What? Why did, why did that happen in dream world? And I'm also, I feel like I am in touch with, I guess, uh, like a soft unknowing that feels very comfortable in that moment. Like, I don't know what the day is going to hold. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do or be able to accomplish, but it's full of possibility. Sometimes it's when I'm really stressed, it's my least favorite moment because I wake up and I feel exhausted and terrible and like I don't know how I'm going to crawl out of bed. Um, So, in those times when I have a lot of stress in my body and on my plate, it's my least favorite time. But if I am living life in a way that I can, that I feel like is in alignment with how I best operate, it's, I love that feeling of opening your eyes and, I love um, waking up just before sunrise and being able to Mm -hmm. crawl up on deck and watch the sunrise from sea bear over the ocean or over an island. And there's just this um, expansiveness that I feel inside myself. Um, And it's a time where I really connect to myself and my dreams and what's possible. And um, it's a really sacred time for me. Yeah, I think that's my favorite one.
0: Casey asked... What's the biggest mistake you've made in your life?
1: Mm. Man, it's such a good question. I actually, I think about this question all the time because I've never interviewed for a job before <laughs> yet. Who knows? This summer will <laughs> probably be the first one, guys. Wish me luck. Cross my fingers. Um, I've been a raft guide and I've been a professional skier uh, and, you know, full ride uh, like scholarship for my, uh, academics. But other than that, I've never had a job interview and I know that's one of the questions. And so I think about it a lot and I don't, I can never come up with a good answer. And I'm trying to figure out if it's because I am like <laughs> trying to hide it from myself and my ego is like, no, 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 you are perfect. And you're also a piece of shit because I criticize you all the time, but, uh, no mistakes here. But I think most of it is because I really view so many of my life experiences as being growth opportunities. Um, but I would say, I would say my biggest mistakes have been when I haven't been either like self-aware enough or, um, able to hold other people in such a way that it it hurt them because of my own lack of self-awareness. Like, uh, I had, I had this moment with Pete this winter where, you know, he's taking surf photos and he's never taken surf photos before. He's like kind of just getting into underwater photography and he's killing it. Right. And like, his photos are awesome. And he's, he's in the learning process. And as I was sitting down with him and reviewing the photos, um, I, I did this, I did the thing that I do to myself, which is we're looking over the photos and I was like, Oh, like you should have stayed up just a moment longer. You know, you like the perfect moment was like a half a second after that or whatever. And I just, I started critiquing his photos in the way that I critique Myself, which is brutally and relentless, and like, you know, going towards total perfectionism. And for him, he's doing this new thing and it's vulnerable. And what he needed from me was support and encouragement. And like, he's actually doing so well. But the way that I treat myself is it's never good enough. And I think I do that sometimes in my closest relationships where I'm a really harsh. Judge. Um, and I don't love that about myself. I have other great qualities too, but I just, he had this moment where I could see him just kind of wilt. And he's like, okay, I don't want to look at my photos anymore with you today. And I just felt the impact of like, oh, I fucked that up so hard. And he actually just needed me to be there for him and to be his cheerleader. And it felt awful. And There's lots of small moments like that in my life where I feel like it hasn't been a massive mistake, but it's been something that has hurt somebody that I'm not proud of. And um, yeah, that's, that's the best answer that I have for the question.
0: It's a good one. I mean, in that, yeah, maybe some of us have a very clear kind of, you know, seismic story to tell in answer to that question. But all of us have the smaller examples like that, that actually really can affect our closest relationships in really damaging ways. So answer accepted, Angel. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I guess just one more continuation on that. It makes me think of... um The Gottman Institute, which I highly, highly recommend to everyone, anyone and everyone, especially pertaining to relationships, especially pertaining to romantic relationships. Um, The Gottman Institute, they're a great Instagram account to follow. Their website is amazing. They send out free newsletters on basically how to be in relationship better. And, you know, they are the ones that came up with, you know, for every, for every one like, compliment or for every one criticism, there actually needs to be I think it's like 10 compliments. And in order for there to be sort of a net positive feeling in the relationship of being loved, and I think actually the number has changed since they first did their first study. But basically, it's like the amount of times that we need to be praising the people that we love is so much higher like, so much higher, right? You think of, like, anytime someone leaves a negative comment on your social media, it doesn't matter how many hundreds of people message you or, or comment, like, you remember that one. And it's the same in relationship. It's the same in our partnership. And, man, I definitely am hard on Pete, you know, a lot. And we have such a deep love for each other, but it's those moments, it's those mistakes, it's those kind of moments of vulnerability that I think Without awareness, over time, whittle away at the health and the trust and the love. And so I think those are important moments. And yeah, I just wanted to add that.
0: I have to ask you, on our last Deep Dives with Angel, you completely ambushed Pete at the end of the episode. I I felt, I was like, this poor dude. (laughs) And I'm curious whether you can just, you can answer yes or no, but I'm, or you can expand. Um, But did you guys have any kind of follow-up conversations from your little ambush?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, a bit. We, we have a very, very communicative relationship, which I really appreciate. And so uh, I think it wasn't as big of a deal as it might've been in other relationships. So we just like laughed about it afterwards. Um, but it was not anything that like we hadn't talked about before, you know, or it wasn't like I sprung him into some situation that like, I don't know, we, um, our, our, our relationship is built on such a foundation of trust and communication, which I really appreciate. And, we talked about it like a little bit, but it actually didn't need much. It was like we laughed about it and I was like, sorry. He's like, no, no it's was, it was fine. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> he, you're the best.
0: <laughs> he, he is the best. He did great. He's the best. I know. Okay. Question from Jenny. She writes, uh, hey, Angel, I'm seriously finding your content, written pieces and podcasts so helpful at this stage in my life. Question for the next Blister podcast. We've we've talked about this a bit here, but but she asks a bit of a different question, and I think it's an important one. Uh, Jenny writes, "How do you calm your conscious mind when it comes to earning or the lack of earning money at this stage in your life?" Uh, Jenny writes, "We actually are in a similar position, uh, you and her, living off dwindling life savings while working out a path for our future." So the question I think we've talked about, you know, the need to, yeah, make an income. Um, but the question of how do you calm your mind at this stage, uh, and not just freak out about this?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Money is so interesting in the way that it represents security for us, um, in our future, right? Like it kind of, answer it yeah it represents security and so it's really tough when we're worried about it like for me I, I go through phases where yeah I don't sleep great because of it. Um and I would like to be you know more enlightened or more self-aware and that I could brush it off but there's sometimes just phases where I can't and the best thing that I can do you know with Pete is make a plan you know, kind of look at like, make a concrete plan of like, how long is this sustainable? And then when do we need to actually be bringing money in, which is what we did, you know, which is why we're going to Boulder in June. And there's also a big component of, uh, not blind trust in life, but also no trust in myself in that I know how to make money. Like, I'm okay. If I go to land and I apply for jobs and I apply myself, like I'm going to be okay. Right. And also something that I think is important is, you know, we, there's a lot of value placed in society on saving a lot of money, right. For retirement or for our kids or for whatever. And something my friend, um, Jenny recently talked about me with is like in this moment in your life, what is your money in savings for? What have you been saving up for? And I was like, well, you know, emergency fund, if anything happened to me that I needed to recover from, and maybe for buying a property somewhere, if I find someplace. And she was like, I really understand all those things. I had a similar thing. And she, she recently, or a little while ago, went through her own process And she said her mentor is asking her those things. And her mentor was like, what's your savings for? And she's like, well, for a rainy day. And her mentor's like, isn't that what this is? And she's like, you're right. And so I think there's also been this grappling that I've been having where it's like, I'm not dumb with money and I'm not reckless. And also like, what do you want to spend your money on in this life? What do I want to spend my money on? And dipping more into my savings than I wanted to, or then felt comfortable so that I could really get the juice out of this squeeze. Like I've already invested so much and, you know, financially, if I were to stay comfortable, I probably would have left Sea six months ago and I would have missed out on the best part. Not to say it always goes like that, but I was really in question of like, how much do I really, really need before I actually need to start making money again? And I gave myself a bigger buffer. I decreased the buffer. But what I really have been sitting with is like, what? how do I want this savings to serve me? And is this what I'm doing worth it? And if not, then I let's change that. But the answer is yes, this is serving me. This is what I want to be spending my money on right now. And I also trust that i in the next chapter will be able to make and save and do what i need to do to build it back up um and i also acknowledge in this there's a lot of privilege in that not everyone is able to do that so i understand if that's not the case that everyone finds themselves in but i hope maybe for um jenny asking this question that you know it's relatable
0: great great thoughts yeah and it, i i just i just want to underscore what you just said on the the belief and confidence in yourself and like ask like am i a disciplined person do i spend money on stupid shit that i don't actually need what kind of network have you cultivated right like you know just if if everything burned to the ground and you literally had nothing you know, you already talked about it in in this conversation, like, could you, would you be willing to go into 10 restaurants and just say, I'm willing to be a dishwasher, I'm willing to be a host, you know, I'm willing to be a waiter, I'm like, are you willing to do that? And I think, you know, frankly, there's a lot of places that are actually looking for hardworking employees right now. And if if somebody's willing, unless you have some ego thing where like, well, no, I would only, you know, take a job where I'm in the C-suite somewhere. Okay, well, that's maybe a different issue. But if you're willing to like roll your sleeves up and get to work and you're, you know, um, a hardworking, reliable employee, I don't know. I feel like you can start to build these things back up. And that's exactly, it's everything you just said. And so... I think those are good reminders. Um, and frankly, I don't know a little bit. I like that those of us in, you know, kind of that outdoor space, um, while I'm I don't care to celebrate or hold up like the, you know the the dirt bag climber or dirt bag skier. But the fact is, we've talked about this actually on some previous podcasts. Those of us who've spent some time sleeping in the back of a car to pursue things they're passionate about, uh, that's not just skiers and climbers, by the way. That's artists. That's, that's lots of different people in lots of different walks of life. I do think these communities, like we have gotten pretty good at dealing with fewer luxuries in order to really pursue the things we want to pursue and i kind of have a hunch that jenny's probably pretty good at that i don't know so anyway i hope i hope that only underscores or doesn't i hope i didn't just make some points that you actually don't agree with there but
1: no no i agree with all of those i think though there's two things i just want to add quickly which is um i also know that sometimes people just try like I've had friends where they're just trying to apply for like any job and for various reasons they're striking out. And sometimes that's the life experience is you're like, you need to make money and you're trying these avenues and it doesn't work out. And that sucks. And I think having faith and also relying in our support networks and our communities. And if we ask for help when we really need it, you know, if, if um, that like, that's always there, even just, you know, I was one of my favorite comics um, ever is the heart and the brain, um, the awkward Yeti, uh, on Instagram. And, you know, he recently was just like, Hey, I need help. I can't sustain my life as a full-time creator without people basically paying me for it. And I like, I'm starting this Patreon thing and I've been trying really hard and I need your help. And so I think there's, you know, there's elements sometimes where we have to be in humility and life beats us up and, we have to get creative or humble and, you know, connect. Yeah. And so the other thing that I was thinking about as you were saying that is that I think sometimes we feel like we have to know what the thing is going to be, like what our next big job is going to be, or the next place that we're really going to put our roots down. And I think I see so often in my friends and I've done it before where it limits us just taking a step to support us or to serve us. Like, I have no idea really what I'm going to do, but like, man, if I can get a job waiting tables for, and that feels good, like great. And is that going to be my thing? No. Um, but I'm totally down to just take the next step. Sometimes I feel like it's just following breadcrumbs in life and they lead us places. And, I don't think that one is necessarily like better than the other and we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to know where we want to buy our dream property in order to figure out where we want to move for a time that feels good. And so not letting those like big questions or big determinants stop us from, you know, taking the next next step to kind of catch our fall or catch our stumble as we need to support ourselves again.
0: Hmm. Well said. Okay. I think I want, us to wrap up with two book questions. So Ryan asked, What is your favorite book of your voyage so far?
1: Oh, such a good question. It's <laughs> a little bit easier than like who's your favorite band? Period. <laughs> favorite book of the voyage slims it down quite a bit. Um oh gosh. Well I've I think I I'd have to pick between I'd have to make it be two. Um, the first is big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, living a creative and courageous life. it's just so good for basically how to be more creative in, yeah, how you want to live, what you want to make, what you want to make of your life and the way that we let fear get in the way. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Gilbert's one of my favorite people actually. And the other one is, called entangled life by marlin martin sheldrake merlin sheldrake i know the title is entangled life and it's all on the fungi kingdom and mycelium and all of the ways uh that we have like actually very little understanding of how you know mushrooms are the fruiting bodies of the mycelial um they're not animals they're not plants but organisms and we they're able to you know digest and metabolize things in such a way right that's their gift they're decomposers but in such a way that we actually don't understand all of how they operate or how they spread anyone listening that's more of an expert i'm sorry for absolutely butchering this but basically this whole book goes through uh, you know, all of the amazing abilities of fungi and mushrooms um, and how crucial they are for our planet and also inside of ourselves, um, you know, like our microbiome and all of the crucial roles that they play, but just how they connect, you know, trees Um, and forest ecosystems and how they help information travel through forests so that, you know, trees actually distribute resources. It's fascinating. It's really, really, really fascinating. So if you like mushrooms, um, definitely read this book. It's so cool.
0: What's more fascinating, Angel? Octopus? I I always like to say octopi. That's what should be, but it's not technically the plural. But um, I just want to make it that
1: <laughs> we can make it that
0: octopi or mushrooms. Ooh, What's more gosh. fascinating?
1: Oh, I feel like that is an impossible choice. I'm sorry, but I will <laughs> <Wow>. not choose.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. I I put octopus above everything. I uh-huh. think that's the most <laughs> fascinating, amazing thing in the They're entire. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Like i I'm putting them above everything, but I haven't read about mushrooms, so you know, you have, um, oh, so- you should
1: read this book. It's okay. so crazy. And all the things that they can do for making, um, textiles and also like tables and chairs, and they can grow things into form and the use of, um, what we can use, like the fungi kingdom and both, you know, metabolization and growth for is insane right now. So read about them. You still will probably like octopi more but I also love Octopus so much so yeah
0: tough choice okay so those are the two favorite books that you've read on your voyage but Ashley asks a bit of a different question what are your book suggestions book recommendations Mm -hmm. so um, I get it's very broad if it's not the two books you've just proposed what else do you think people should be reading Mm
1: mm-hmm My number one gifted book is the four agreements by, um, I want to say it's Don Miguel Ruiz. I know Ruiz is the last name. I'm pretty sure it's Don Miguel, the four agreements, um, changed my life and pretty much I, uh, I love that book so much. And it's so simply written on basically how to dream the dream. Of your life and how to stay in integrity with yourself and who you want to be, and how to dismantle the stories that don't feel true to you about how people live. Um, and it's so liberating to read, and it's so simple, and so beautiful. So uh, it's short, and I love that about it. So the Four Agreements is probably my number one one. Um, Other book suggestions. Yeah, Big Magic. I really, I love suggesting that book too, so much. Um, Another one for like fiction. I love science fiction. I love fantasy. Um, I really love the book Ender's Game. It's a science fiction um, and it's mostly kids in this book, but they're they're child geniuses that are being used in the future to uh, fight space wars, basically. (laughs) but it's just so beautiful. And the ending is the best part. and It's not at all what you would expect. So it's a great way if you just need to take your mind off something. And the last suggestion for like a beautiful, magical fantasy also don't want to read self-help or nonfiction um, is his dark materials trilogy by Philip Pullman. Yeah. They just made a TV series on HBO max, which they did an amazing job. I watched the whole thing. It was, really great but the golden compass the subtle knife and the amber spyglass and that trilogy just does such a cool job of um exploring sort of some religious principles and the fall from grace and what does that mean and what does it mean to be human what do children have that we don't and uh also like what is the essence of our spirit and um yeah it goes on these voyages through these Parallel worlds, and it's just really, really cool. So, yeah, those would be my book suggestions for now.
0: <laughs> Man, those are some strong suggestions. Here. So, yeah, like <laughs> so many people whose opinion I respect a whole lot on books are all in on Philip Pullman, and I have Ooh. yet to read Pullman. So, really? I feel like I'm kind of blowing it at life, basically. <laughs>
1: You're probably reading too much nonfiction, buddy. You got to get on the fantasy train.
0: Okay. I, I think, yeah, there's so many people listening to this, uh, friends of mine who are like vigorously nodding <laughs> along with this statement and are just like, dude, I've been telling you about this for decades. Like, what are yeah. you doing? So it's I,
1: it's a masterful, you know, what I love about some science fiction and fantasy is in the way that. You know, it allows us to explore principles that are so near and dear to our belief systems and our inner workings and on society that to approach them directly is too much. It's too confrontational. But in these, you know, other worlds or other settings, it's like we can approach some of the principles from an outside view uh, in a removed way and it opens up. Uh, some chinks in the armor for exploration. And I think Philip Pullman does a really, really fantastic job of church and state. And, um, you know, some of these like big philosophical and political principles without having the book feel like it's about that, it just invites, it invites questions, it invites um, new perspectives in a yeah, just beautiful way. And it's about, um, you know, exploring these worlds and, and basically, you know, saving the world essentially. And, uh, but with children and yeah, it's so cool. It's so beautiful. So read it. (laughs)
0: Okay. All right. It's going on the list. It's going on the list. Hey, angel, (laughs) I want to let you get going as always appreciate it. Um, it's always fun talking with you and exploring different topics and getting your perspective on things. Mostly this time around, I'm really thrilled to hear that you just had the two best weeks of your life. And um, I look forward to seeing what comes from those two weeks. (laughs) Mm.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much just for for all your invitations for my expression and my sharing and all of our expressions. Like I just, I see what you do so much for all of us creating these opportunities for us to share who we are. And I just appreciate you so much. So yeah, thank you. The honor is truly mine.
0: I'll let you go, give my best to Pete and I will talk to you real soon. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the blister podcast. Thanks as always to angel for the great conversation and be sure to check out her next open mic piece, which should be dropping Tuesday and check out all of our open mic pieces because I am confident that some of them are really going to resonate with you and maybe help you reflect on and gain some clarity on some things that you're thinking about and wondering about yourself. Also, if you are enjoying these conversations that um, certainly don't just stay real surfacey, then we would really appreciate it if you would take just a second and leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And just let us know that you're a fan of diving deep sometimes and exploring some broad and important topics. So thank you for doing that. And thanks also to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And of course, thanks to you for listening. From our entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.